This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.07. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. First up today, why providing PrEP to groups who have an elevated risk of HIV is important. So this began on December 1st when the Ministry of Health announced that it would be carrying out a pilot project on the use of pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP in several hospitals. Now this was done to assess whether it was effective and safe in reducing the risk of HIV infection and Health Minister Dr Zaliha Mustafa said that the project was necessary so that the drug could in turn be certified by the Ministry for Public Consumption. So that's what the MOH had announced. Following on from that though, um, this month, on January 19th, the Selangor Mufti Department um, issued a prohibition on the administration of PrEP, saying that the consumption and, or, or rather, not a prohibition, but a limitation, saying that the consumption and distribution of the medication is only required for married couples. And I'm just going to quote what they said on their website, because um, it was on a Q&A online, and the, and the department said, this is the quote, giving the medicine to people who practice homosexual lifestyles is prohibited as it is considered helping others in something that is known to be a sin and it also can be seen as going against the religion. So since then, there have been a variety of groups who have in turn responded to that statement. Yes, so a variety of groups pointing out, for instance, that the denial of potentially life-saving medication is um, tremendously discriminatory. Um, also criticism on this conflating of religion and public health concerns. Um, and uh, really, I, I think it, it is quite a, a concerning thing when we are in fact talking about um, mitigating the risk of groups of people and and the fact that when we're talking about something as serious as HIV and AIDS, here we have a medical intervention that uh, could potentially save lives and yet this is what we are talking about. That and it goes, I think, in many ways back to the stigmatization of this particular disease because um, and, and who the groups are who are at especially high risk uh, for contracting or for being infected by HIV. Because if you think about this this context, right, of being able to provide medication that would prevent infection if taken in advance, and, and you apply this to other diseases, say dengue, um, if I'm just thinking of another infectious disease, you wouldn't have this sort of reaction. You know, nobody would be on the side of the mosquitoes. And, and yet somehow when we're talking about a, a disease that has a long history of stigmatization around the world and in our country, then the conversation gains a particular tone. Yeah, and it's also placing a moral expectation when actually the concerns should be coming from a health perspective. For what it's worth, the Malaysian Medical Association, the MMA, has urged the government to make Make PrEP accessible to groups with the highest risk of HIV infection. The MMA president, Dr. Murugaraj Rajadare, said that this would be in line with Malaysia's commitment to universal health coverage. Um, he said that with due respect to religious viewpoints on using PrEP, it is aimed to prevent the spread of HIV in the population as well as to save lives, and that the decision to make PrEP accessible has to be based on scientific evidence so that we can achieve the best possible outcome for the community, which I think really touches on all of those points that we're talking about. 
Uh, we will be carrying on this conversation uh, shortly uh, with Dr. Umu Afira Zainulabid, who is an internal medicine specialist and infectious disease fellow. But in the meantime, do send your thoughts through. How do you feel about religious bodies weighing in on public health issues? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Be free minded. BFM eighty nine point nine. It is five twelve. You're listening to the evening edition with Sharmila and Lynn, and we're talking about why it's important to provide prep to groups who have an elevated risk of HIV. This is coming on the wake of the Slango Mufti Department issuing a prohibition of prep, saying um, that this should only be required for married couples, and that it um, that giving it to people who practice homosexual lifestyles uh, should be prohibited, um, and therefore we are asking you for. Your your thoughts. How do you feel about religious bodies weighing in on public health issues? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is Doctor Umu Afira Zainul Abid, who is an internal medicine specialist and infectious disease fellow. Doctor Umu, thanks for speaking with us today. Let's start by talking about that advisory posted on the Slango Mufti Department site. Uh, so it said prescribing prep to those who, and I'm quoting here, practice homosexual sexuality lifestyle would be a form of complicity. As a medical practitioner, how would you respond to this? Um, I think uh, it's actually good before we answer that question uh, for uh, public uh, to understand what is actually a PrEP. So PrEP is actually a form of uh, HIV prevention. It stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. So um, I think the polemic uh, occurs when uh, we actually uh, targeting actually our key population, uh, mostly uh, 20 to 39 year old. But then uh, I believe uh, actually as a medical practitioner, I need to treat everyone uh, inclusively and not being judgmental. I need to reach them and then uh, educate them so that they had a great understanding uh, on uh, HIV and other sexually transmitted disease. So the Galen Centre for Health and Social Policy has uh, slammed the statements given by the, the Slango Mufti Department, saying that not providing selective access to PrEP is bad medicine, poor practice, it has no basis in public health. It also said that imposing beliefs and dogma would cause more harm than good. Why is it important for medical practitioners to, to apply this? Okay, uh, I think the dilemma is actually uh, being a medical and a medical practitioner and you are a Muslim uh, practitioner as well. So I think uh, I'm very clear actually in my uh, daily life as a clinician and clinical specialist that I cannot be judgmental. I need to offer uh, my treatment, my service to all regardless uh, anyone that I'm uh, facing. So actually this is not uh, something, um, actually for example, a medical practitioner uh, you are dealing actually with, uh, for example, so smoking. And then in your respiratory clinic, you have actually those uh, smoking. And then the doctor still treating them by giving them all the nebulizer. And then um, and then not only that, actually, for example, so I have deal uh, with uh, in a gastroenterology clinic where I'm treating a hepatitis C patient. Uh, most of them is actually intravenous drug user. But I cannot be judgmental. I need to carry my uh, my line of service as a clean, clinical doctor that treats everyone 
uh, equally and also uh, not being judgmental. Uh, it is actually important for us uh, to treat everyone uh, despite of our own uh, values uh, and we are taught not to judge or condemn in individuals that, that have a different values uh, from us. So what do religious fatwas say about drugs like PrEP? So Islamic law actually place importance on human dignity, respect and uh, peaceful uh, relations. So um, <clears throat> I believe uh, <clears throat> we are living not on a homogeneous uh, community. We have a lot of people which are complex uh, social uh, religious issues. Then we have to treat everyone with full dignity and respect, uh, regardless of their sexual orientations. Um, all of individuals must feel safe in our society and institution. Um, and then Muslim should uphold the best of character, charity and compassion in dealing with others, even with those that we disagree. We must reject any form of discrimination, bullying or harassment. That is what I understand. You've been quoted elsewhere urging religious and non-medical experts to go to hospitals to understand the ordeal that patients have to go through. Uh, the Galen Centre has also emphasised the importance of consulting with public health experts to improve the understanding on this. Talk to us about why this matters. It's actually important because for me, myself, to understand such a big topics, it actually takes months. <clears throat> and then uh, when I work on the grounds, I'm seeing a lot of young patients. It's actually around 15, 16 years old. So all these patients is actually uh, coming with a lot of complication. They come with AIDS. For example, yesterday also, we have one intubated patient. Uh, and then they have actually pneumocystic carina pneumonia. All this infection is actually uh, not happening in those uh, normal individuals with good, um, good immunity. But then when you have AIDS, they come with a lot of complication infections like, uh, and it's actually very deadly. So I think for you to understand the uh, why we are talking about uh, prevention, you must see actually the complications of what uh, happened. So if you see that, and every case is actually, uh, it's like, uh, I can say that uh, make me, um, it's a heartbreaking situation that I felt um, we should understand the magnitude of HIV and AIDS so that we can understand why we want to reach all these uh, uh, key populations and prevent um, them from acquiring or being infected with HIV. So all of this is coming um, on the wake of news that the use of PrEP will be made available for free at selected public health clinics uh, in states with high HIV prevalence. So talk to us about the significance of this move. Okay, uh, recently I met actually Dr. Nuru from KK Kuala Lumpur. We, uh, uh, they, they already started actually the service and within three weeks, it's actually they managed to reach uh, most of our teenagers, about 40 plus actually, already uh, come forward and uh, ask uh, for PrEP. So it's actually a form of engagement and then we can educate. So because not everyone is actually uh, have a good awareness on HIV and AIDS, but then when we have we serve uh, we offer this service, it's actually a form of engagement and it's actually an entry point actually to educate the public 
um, on uh, HIV, AIDS and other sexually transmitted illness. So I felt that this is actually a great opportunity and then actually to end AIDS by 2030. So our key population for the last 10 years, we have every year 3,000 individuals, nearly 3,000 individuals who is actually HIV positive. And once they are uh, actually uh, infected and acquired HIV, they have to be on lifelong treatment. And not only that, when they come with AIDS, they carry a, a, a lot of morbidity. That means, for example, if they come with uh, with uh, lymphoma in brain, so they have to be bed bound and um, lots of morbidity reach the complication of AIDS. So I think this is a, actually a great effort and a great uh, initiative that have a good, um, in a long run, is actually going to, uh, to have a, good outcomes in terms of a public health perspective. In closing, what policies would you like to see being pushed forward that would bridge the gap we have when it comes to HIV patient care? Okay, I think um, uh, it's actually uh, not um, not only a poly, uh, not only from the uh, infectious disease uh, specialists or family medicine uh, specialists. It's actually uh, the responsibility of everyone, and we hope actually we can work together with the religious party, and then uh, we can address uh, this issue hand in hand, and then uh, we can actually uh, treat everyone and uh, able to end uh, the pandemic uh, HIV pandemic by two thousand thirty. So it's actually we want a good progressive uh, muzakara fatwa on this matter that is actually a very compassion rahma and um, actually uh, to all uh, patient and to whole community we need a constant uh, engagement with wisdom and also compassion Dr. Umu, thanks for speaking with us. That was Dr. Umu Afira Zainulabid, Internal Medicine Specialist and Infectious Disease Fellow, uh, speaking to us about why it is important to make PrEP accessible to at-risk communities and, in a sense, why this decision needs to be thought of from an empathetic viewpoint. Um, and so we've been asking you for your thoughts. How do you feel about religious bodies weighing in on public health issues? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We do have uh, a number of messages coming through on this. Well, let's start with um, one that's directly answering the question. So Ganeshram says, I feel that the Mufti department should stick to their own field rather than giving an expert quote-unquote opinion uh, when it comes to medicine. I don't see Malaysian Medical Association giving out opinions on how the Mufti department should go about their work. And uh, that, I think, gets at one element here, which is the, the conflation of public health and, and religious values and sensibilities and how that overlap, I don't think, is a particularly healthy one. Yes, um, because I think, and again, then it has this impact of muddying issues, right? Because you're muddying issues of um, health outcomes, of, of actual lives um, with, again, as I said earlier, either a moral or a religious viewpoint um, that doesn't always offer solutions, 
and and I think that's where this um, this conflict lies, really. So Vimalan is uh, coming in to say, hard scientific facts versus any belief. It should be a no-brainer. And, you know, I, th- I agree with you. I also think that the word should is playing such a big role in that sentence because it should. But the fact is that it often does not, for whatever reason. Um, and then it also affects the way we talk about it, in which we start prevaricating. We start trying to give room for, oh yes, you know, but to accommodate beliefs, so on and so forth, uh, while ignoring the fact that people are actively being put at risk and um, people are being denied access to really crucial treatments. And when you put it like that, when it's put as starkly as that, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to wrap your head around. Well, Will says, kudos to the doctor who just spoke, reject all form of judgment in medical service. And I think that's also part of it, right? Because in the end, we're talking about medical practitioners who are asked to um, be the ones administering care. And this sort of uh, judgment or this sort of statements saying this is against religion, I think puts them also in a very difficult position of having to almost decide how they're supposed to act in a field where this shouldn't play a part. Legion is drawing a comparison to other countries, um, starting off by saying if if, an HIV, if a HIV patient develops AIDS and gets tuberculosis, they'll spread it to the entire population. Tuberculosis doesn't care what religion you belong to. We've also seen what can happen um, when dogma affects health, um, as in women's access to safe abortions in the United States. Uh, yeah, I think um, I, I, a couple of points there, but I think the one to me that's interesting is the larger impact of something like the AIDS epidemic, right? Because it's often very easy to think, this is never going to impact me, this is only confined to particular communities, but that's simply not true. Um, and I think that point gets at it. There's also the question of the larger public health costs and uh, TIDJ is saying I'm an advocate for PrEP, Um, I am annoyed that our PM has relented to public pressure and made the statement that public health issues like these need to take a quote-unquote holistic approach and that, quote, apart from scientific data, religious sensitivities need to be taken into consideration. I'm paraphrasing here. I believe our PM, also the finance minister, should be looking at it from a financial point of view. PrEP is so much cheaper, less than 100 ringgit a month, compared to the HAART meds, which start at 300 ringgit a month. And by the way, the Ministry of Health provides HAART RT meds for free for all um, HIV positive individuals. The statistics are scary and the number of new infections are rising and steps should be taken to curb it. And I think those numbers actually put into perspective also, again, why this isn't just why this shouldn't be actually a moralistic issue and instead is a larger and I come back to this, it's a public health issue. The other thing that strikes me is this, um, this medicine or, or this, this medicine has been developed with pragmatism in mind, right? It's meeting people where they are and it's mitigating risk as best one can. Um, and not acknowledging that for not acknowledging that for reasons of personal values, whatever they may be, personal sensibilities, whatever they may be, ignores the innovation that has come from this medicine being innovated in this particular way. And I bring this up partly to say, firstly, this is like saying that sex education should, should just be abstinence, which you know has not worked in, in countries around the world, in places around the world. The other thing is, 
I don't want necessarily to be part of a public health system that denies access to innovative treatments and medicines um, for fear of offence. Yes, I think that's actually a great way to put it. Um, We also have, just to close off, Leng saying... Diabetes treatment should not be given to people who practice high-sugar lifestyles as those people lack discipline. How does that statement sound? Not nice, right? Stop applying religion to Malaysia's universal right to medicine. Look in the mirror before simply putting out statements. I mean, I I think I like the comparison to diabetes partly because... um, of that question of judgment and moralization and the idea that choice factors in. So I, I think that that's a very apt comparison. Keep those thoughts coming. How do you feel about religious bodies weighing in on public health issues? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.